you're not just buying cash flow. You are building a business that's going to have that potential to exit down the road. Franchises usually trade at a higher multiple than non-franchise in the same industry. And mm. I, I've got a study I can cite to show that. But there's a third piece of it too. I like to call this the trifecta. The third piece would be as a business owner, you're able to write off expenses that you couldn't otherwise. For instance, I pay my kids. I've got a new book out. They ship the book and they package it. I pay them each. I get the tax write-off, but then my kids are able to put earned income into the Roth IRAs. And so it's a way of creating this generational wealth without just the cash flow component, but also on the tax strategy side. Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us John Austinson. John is a top 1% franchise consultant nationally, and he leads FranBridge Consulting as a CEO. John draws on his experience as a former Inc. 500 franchise president and a multi-brand franchisee in serving his clients. John is also a best-selling author. Thank you so much, John, for coming on our show. Sure thing. Appreciate you having me. Looking forward to our conversation. It was wonderful what you've been doing. How did you take the leap into starting your own firm? Yeah, like so many of your listeners spent many years in the corporate world and had a good mm. run, but had that desire yeah. to do something a little more entrepreneurial and didn't know what it looked like. First step was stepping away from a public company into a private company and serving as president of Shelf Genie Franchise System. We experienced some very rapid growth, but really that was a pivotal moment for me where I got to support all these owners, these franchise owners across North America, and really see how franchising can be a better path to business ownership for many of them. And long story short, ended up partnering with the founder, we split off and we've invested in franchises ourselves on the franchisee side of the table. And then I've had other partners as well, where we've invested in franchises. That's a piece of what I do, but fortunately we've got good people running the businesses for us and allows me to spend close to 95% of my time helping others do the same. Which franchises are your go-to that you have under your umbrella as a franchisee? Yeah, so there are a handful, primarily in property services space. I've got one in the custom orthotics space as well, so a little bit of diversity in there. But I'll just touch on industries real fast here. Yeah. I, I think it's fascinating. It's good. So, you know, I work in what I call non-food franchising. I've coined that term because when people hear franchise, they think fast food. And yet I work with over 600 different franchise companies that are in industries outside of food. And my humble mm -hmm. belief is they're just the easier ways to make money. And so we have clients across the North America that have backgrounds they may be doctors or attorneys or current business owners or corporate executives they're looking to get into entrepreneurship but don't know what that looks like and what's the right opportunity for them once we expose them to the opportunities that are out there and play matchmaker which i'm happy to talk more about they're resonating with what i would call boring businesses things that are cash flowing understandable non-trendy aren't going anywhere. In some cases, they're Amazon resistant or COVID resistant or recession resistant. It's businesses like gutters and insulation and dumpsters and oil changes. It's types of understandable yeah. businesses. We're still doing a lot in like health and wellness. I think fitness is a little bit crowded, but we like health and wellness. We like businesses that regardless of the economy, they stand to do well. People are always going to spend on their kids, on their pets, 
on their aging parents, on their health. So businesses mm-hmm. that come alongside and support those are where we really encourage our clients to look and where we see a lot of attraction these days. It makes sense. We also had a very successful medical clinic in Toronto, and we were in the process of franchising in the States and Canada through a company like yours. And they also said the same thing, this type of medical service or products for baby boomers is the next wave. A lot of people are finding them attractive. Yeah, absolutely. And the fun thing for us is probably 85 or 90% of our clients end up purchasing something that was never on their radar, typically in an industry they never thought about. And oftentimes you don't know what you're looking for until you see it right there in front of you. But yeah, exactly what you were saying. I think People will always spend on their health. They'll always spend on the older population, which continues mm-hmm. to get it, it become a larger mass out there. 10,000 people turning 65 every day. Largely, they've got dispensable income relative to other groups. We've never seen so much activity as what we're seeing right now. And I think some people are saying, hey, it's time to make that jump and do something more entrepreneurial, but maybe we don't go all the way in. So we, we go the franchising route where you get some benefits, you get that franchisees are on the sideline. That's like a coach. You get other franchisees that are living the same thing you are and you're sharing best practices. You've got a playbook. You're essentially starting on third base instead of first base. And a lot of mm. things have been figured out for you. Even the marketing, you're operating from a large data set versus having to go you know, figure things out on your own. I'd say franchising isn't right for everybody. Some people are too entrepreneurial and want to put their thumbprints all over it. It's really interesting. We have so many business owners that have been there, done that, they say, hey, for our next rodeo, we want to get into franchising. We mm. appreciate everything that's being done for us. And even in some cases, you know, some people are looking to make that jump and run the business full-time as an owner-operator, but then others are looking to go what we call semi-passive or semi-absentee, where they can tag team with the franchisor to put a manager in place and then manage the manager. And so it takes some of that day-to-day burden off of them. And, and so that's a very common thing to keep your day job and get a side hustle going as well. Yeah, that's an attractive opportunity for someone in the franchise world. And even a franchisor, if they look at branching out by opening locations, it's the fastest way to grow because uh, you're partnering with other people's money to launch locations, for example. 100%. No, it's using other people's money, but they also have skin in the game. You always want your course to to act as owners, not employees. And here you actually have Mm -hmm. owners who know their local market. They're highly incentivized. And as you are well aware, private equity loves franchising. I get Mm -hmm. calls every week from private equity firms saying, hey, John, what are you seeing out there? What franchises should we be looking at? You're seeing a lot of deal activity where they're typically coming in at the franchisor level, but making those investments, infusing capital. And then in some cases, they'll even roll up a lot of franchisees and provide an exit that way. Have you come across any type of franchisor that is in the coaching industry or the personal development industry? Yeah. We actually placed a client recently oh, yeah? in Indianapolis in a business coaching franchise. And that's one of the nice things about that. So you don't have to have a large team, but at the same time, you are trading time for money. However, you can get a high value ascribed to that time. Some of the benefits, let's just use that as an example. Not only do you get trained, but you also get this arsenal of curriculum and assessments and other tools that from day one, you can go out there and provide value to your clients with. And so it helps you not have to recreate the wheel and start from scratch. Also, they would help you with your marketing and that client acquisition piece. Lead generation, client acquisition, that's a big piece of what franchises provide from a value standpoint. 
So how do you identify and evaluate potential franchise opportunities for clients? Yeah, great question. So there are roughly 4,000 franchise brands in the U.S. alone. And when you take yeah. out food and you take out lodging, hotels are another animal we stay away from. Yeah. Yeah, that cuts it in roughly half. And I'd say from there, we whittle it down to roughly 600 or so at any given time that we feel are the stronger ones out there that are in growth mode. Honestly, from there, I'd say 10% of those, from my experience, I feel are the best of the best. And those are the ones that I engage my clients with where... Yeah, they've got the franchisor leadership teams with the track records. They've been there, done that, brought up successful franchisees. You've got a ROI return model financially that's very attractive. In a lot of cases, very compelling. You've got competitive advantages within your industry. And then we've been very blessed the last couple of years. We actually do more deals than anybody else in, in North America. And so I get to see firsthand what is resonating with different backgrounds all around North America and why is it resonating. And so bringing that intelligence and combined with what our clients share with us about their situation and what they're looking to do and what the goals of the business are. And then we take it a step further down to the, the amount, the availability within their area. Sometimes that, that can be a limiting factor. And once we do all that and put through those filters, you're usually looking at roughly 10 opportunities that we would recommend as being mm -hmm. those that you should take into consideration. And then we take our clients through a process where we expose them to those opportunities. Eventually, they narrow it down to a short list of somewhere between two and four where we make introductions to the brands. And I'll mention this. It, it, the nice thing about our process, it's very much like an executive search type model. And our clients never pay us a nickel. It's entirely free. If they were hey, to go directly to a franchise good. brand or go through us, they're paying the same franchise fee. So it's a very clean model very, funded by the brands. Very good. That's excellent. That's a really good point that you shared right there. John, for being a 1% of all consultants, do you have some sort of mindset questionnaire that you go through with your clients to identify, to really drill down to see if that model is going to match their personality at the current time? Yeah, great question. We, we do have an online form that we have them fill out, but it's very short. And... What I found that level of candidates that we work with, oftentimes they, they are more executive level or mid-career. Right. That being said, we have clients we've done deals with as young as 24. But I'd say the sweet spot oftentimes is 30s, 40s, 50s. They want a streamlined process. They want to get to it. They want, and a lot of times you yeah. don't know what you don't know and what you're looking for until it's right there in front mm -hmm. of you. We have a very streamlined mm -hmm. process that gets the opportunities in front of them. That's really, I think as you walk through the process exploring, there's a number of steps that the franchisor will take you through over a series of a number of weeks and we come alongside and we've got, we'll get on calls with our clients and help them process what they're hearing, and think about questions to be asking, or we'll bring in funding partners or a franchise attorney or a recruiter. We've got all this in our ecosystem to support them. Really the magic happens. And I think the realization and kind of the wake up call of, hey, this is something that can work, or can't work, really comes more through having real conversations with real opportunities, getting to ask questions. And you learn a lot about yourself and you build this framework in your mind of what it is you're looking for. And to your point, it's a mindset, if you will. And some people realize that this isn't for me, but quite a few do move mm -hmm. forward and say, exactly. Hey. And where I get my validation is when they come back and they buy their second opportunity yeah. or they come back and buy additional locations within that first year. That, that's very common. So that's what gets us excited. That type of alignment, I feel is important if someone goes into a franchise, seeing the numbers, they get excited, but they lose that excitement because there was no mindset alignment. There was no passion. 
I'm just thinking on those lines. When you question them, do you see they're getting into long-term or they're just getting into it for the numbers? Yeah, and it's fascinating because you see different mindsets and different backgrounds. And there's not necessarily yeah. one size fits all. Some people want to be passionate about the industry that they step into. Hey, we're passionate pet people. We want to be <laughs> in the pet industry. Quite a few say, hey, we're going to default to what's providing the highest return that allows us to keep our day job or fewest number of employees. But another common one I hear, but yeah. oftentimes it's what's right for that next season. And I try to take some yeah. of the pressure off of people and say, hey, you're on a journey. You'll likely have multiple ventures in the future. A lot of our clients have built up a portfolio of multiple businesses. What's right for that next season? And even if down the road, you want to try some, your hand at some traditional startups, Having gone through the mm -hmm. franchise process, you're going to learn a lot about how to best in class build a business. And so a lot of times they do take that mindset and they start looking at it from different angles. But again, it's not right for everyone. It's not right for everyone. Now there's yeah. never a perfect time to buy a business. I tell people, yeah. just life doesn't slow down when you're looking at businesses. As Abraham Lincoln said, the best time to plant a tree is to yesterday. The second best time is today. So no. you'll be glad that you did in most cases. Yeah. It's always the now. Perfect. You being in the position that you're in, John, you must come across some phenomenal opportunities. And then you have a roster of clients that are looking for opportunities. What do you do in that kind of situation? It must get tempting for you to take on that opportunity for your own bucket. Do you still promote it to your client base or do you add it to your portfolio? Yeah, most of the opportunities would be available in a number of different markets. And so even if I were to jump on it, I'd be essentially taking one market, but there are plenty of markets left. So I think about a great example here. I'll give you two examples, very different type of industries, yeah. you know, two businesses I'm invested in. One is a concrete paving business. They do the line striping for parking lots. It's a B2B, oh, nice. it's a recurring revenue. They mm -hmm. fix cracks and potholes. It's out of Canada. Retainer. Uh, the business started mm -hmm. in Canada, entered the US, but great model. You know, this is a space highly fragmented, a lot of mom and pops type players. If you can come in with a white glove approach to a blue collar industry, it just makes sense and strong, very strong financials around this business. But I'm invested up in Minneapolis is where our location is. I'm running it somewhat passively. I've got other partners that are more active than it, but we've had three clients buy into that. We had one in South Carolina, one in Des Moines, Iowa, one in, in Atlanta where I'm based. There's another one that I mentioned, the customer orthotics. That's one I met with the CEO Friday afternoon. We've created an investor model where the franchisor will actually run the business on behalf of the franchisees. So it's a true absentee mm -hmm. model. That's extremely rare in franchising, but there are three or four that we work with today. And so I've helped them kind of craft that and what it looks like. Yeah, but that's one that, that I'm personally buying a few locations mm -hmm. down in Florida that they're going to run for mm -hmm. me. I actually had a client buy the rights to all of Canada in that one, as well as some other locations. Master so, license. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. But it's That's interesting. Great. One you know, thing I hit on Shahid would be the funding piece of things because they oftentimes they get asked, how much is it to get into one of these? And certainly if we do laundromat, you're talking a million dollars, but I'd say most of the placements we're doing, when you look at startup costs, franchise being a working capital, you're somewhere in that 150 to 250 range is where most of them are falling. And some clients are using cash. Some are using an SBA loans Liquid. or. 150 to 250 mix. all in, including working capital. All in. All okay. in. Okay. Yep. And uh, so that's essentially including several months of marketing and personnel costs, insurance payments, other things. But with that, and those would be more service-based type businesses, 
Some people are using a bank loan, like an SBA loan. Some are using CAM, we're using an old retirement plan where you can roll that over mm -hmm. or 1K or IRA and purchase the business without the tax implications. Mm -hmm. Some will use the HELOC or other means of funding. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot of different paths to getting into business, but okay. I want people to know it is more reasonable investment-wise than a lot of people think. Thank you for sharing that. It's an important part. If someone comes in and they have $150,000, they can either pick up real estate investment for passive income, or they come to you and say, find me a cash cow. In your experience, what would you advise a person like that? Yeah. And I would say probably 70, 80% of our clients also own investment real estate. So getting back to the mindset, they think the same way. And so oftentimes they have a few single family homes or maybe multifamily. They come to us and say, Hey, there aren't too many good real estate deals to be had these days. <laughs> We're not seeing yeah. much and we like the idea of diversifying our portfolio. And so in some cases they want businesses that complement their current portfolio where they say, Hey, we're already paying someone else to do these services. That could you, is there an opportunity to do that? And then we do it for our own, but then also do it for others investments. In some cases it's more of, Hey, again, we want someone, something that's pretty passive where, and I'll just give an example here. I've got a client in South Carolina that. Nathan, I like to use that as an example. He's built up a portfolio over time of franchise businesses. He's 40 years old, largest franchise. of two men in a truck operates in probably a dozen markets, built up a $30 million business. Nice. He's created an organization to support that. And so now every year, Nathan comes to me and says, Hey, John, what are you seeing out there? And then we'll introduce him some opportunities. He picks one, he puts a young guy for, or gal from his organization in charge of the business, gives them some equity and says, Hey, go make us proud. And he's had tremendous success. I think he's bought Amazing. additional locations on every deal that we've done within the first 12 months. Mm -hmm. When you have that long-term thinking, there are a lot of options. Mm -hmm. One thing that people oftentimes forget about, you're not just buying cash flow. And you scale it up and there's work to be done, but you're not just buying cash flow. You are building a business that's going to have that potential to exit down the road. Franchises usually trade at a higher multiple than non-franchise in the same industry. And mm -hmm. I've got a study I can cite to show that. But there's a third piece of it too. I like to call this the trifecta. The third piece would be as a business owner, you're able to write off expenses that you couldn't otherwise. For instance, I pay my kids. I've got a new book out. They ship the book and they package it. I pay them each. I get the tax write off, but then my kids are able to put earned income into the Roth IRAs. And so it's a way of creating this generational wealth without just the cash flow component, but also on the tax strategy side. Excellent. What do you feel your innermost superpower is that got you to this point in your life? I think ability to change and adapt. I'm trying okay, to learn good. new things every day. And when I was a young boy playing baseball, I was not thinking I'd be in franchising someday. But when you look at my career, it's taken me to India where I've brought up vendors over there on behalf of multinational. It's taken me to serving as VP of sales for the largest clothing company for children in the world, Carter's Oshkosh Bagash. And stumbled into franchising, but absolutely love it. Feel like I'm in my sweet spot and able to help a lot of people cool. now. So I think being able to change and learn new things every day is my superpower. Love it. John, thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show today. Shared some wonderful information. And uh, if there's anything else happening in your business that you need our help in, just don't hesitate to contact us. I appreciate you. And audience, thank you once again for joining us for another episode with John. His information will be in the show notes below. If you're looking to increase income or wealth, the best way to do it is by adding multiple sources of income. And that's what John is talking about here. 
there's tremendous opportunity to increase step-by-step and create that seven-figure plus lifestyle that you want as an entrepreneur. And the best way is to add multiple sources of income. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys helping us grow. Without you, we wouldn't be growing. So appreciate you. And John, thank you so much. Thank you.